we're going to jump right into week three of our series, In the Beginning. Uh, the first week, real quick recap, in the first week we talked about In the Beginning, God, right? And God was outside of time. In the beginning refers to our beginning, not his. And with that means that God has all authority. And with all the authority that he has, he only does good. Last week, we talked about God being relational as we, as we marched through Genesis chapter 2 and how it was his intention to have a relationship with us. And when we get out of his intention is when we, we get all sorts of messed up. And um, today, we're going to continue the conversation. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. So let's check it out. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say... You must not eat from any tree in the garden. Okay, so we're going to stop right there, one verse in. And we're going to look at the tactics of the enemy today. We're going to be looking at the, that how Satan operates, all right? And we see right off the bat what he starts to do. And the first thing that he does as he is talking to Eve is he misinterprets God's words. He puts words in God's mouth. And have you ever been in a, we won't say arguments because y'all love Jesus too much to get in arguments with people, right? We get in discussions with people and discussions with people on Facebook, right? Um, and when someone misinterprets what you said or they put words in your mouth, doesn't it just drive you crazy? I didn't say that! All right? That's not what I said. <sighs> All right, just real quick, you know, it drives you nuts when someone puts words in your mouth. And that is exactly what Satan is doing here. He says, did God really say that you must not eat from any tree? Well, no. Spoiler alert, God didn't say any tree. He said one tree, right? So he, he is twisting God's words right off the bat as this conversation begins. And then what he also does is... He, he forces Eve to try and question God. Did he really say that? Did he really tell you this? And boy, does he do that with us today. Did God really tell you to take that job? Did God really tell you to go to church on Sunday? Did God really say this? Did he really say that he loves you and that he's for you and he's never going to leave you? Did he really say those things? Because it sure doesn't feel that way now. Did he really say that? And here's what I think is the, the, the biggest thing that he does here that you really have to kind of, you kind of have to the, the read between the lines here on what Satan does in this moment. As he says, did he really say you must not eat of any tree? You know what he's doing here? He's making God the bad guy. He's saying, he's pointing out the one thing that, that God told Adam and Eve not to do. God has given them paradise paradise the most beautiful place in all the earth he has said i'm putting you right in the middle of it and i'm going to give you beautiful trees that have delicious fruit that you can eat from but there's just one that you can't but everything else is at your disposal satan says all right we're going to not focus on all the amazing things that god has done for you we're going to talk about the one thing that he told you not to do and we're going to put a magnifying glass on that and we're going to make it look like God is the bad guy. Y'all, you don't need to look very far out your window into the world to see that the world has made God the bad guy. And that is what Satan loves to do as we walk with the Lord. It's his fault. 
he did this or he didn't do this. God's the bad guy. I mean, are you serious? Just two weeks ago, we talked about in all of his authority, the only thing that God does is good. And he does good for us. He did good for Adam and Eve. He made this amazing garden for them to live in and then was very clear about what would happen if they ate of the tree. You will surely die. Thanks, God. I got it. I'm going to go enjoy everything else and leave that alone. Satan says, no, no, let's go back to that. Let's talk about that tree. Let's talk about all the trees. Let me put some words in God's mouth. Let me make him the bad guy. Let's continue this discussion. So it goes on in verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, you may eat, or we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. End of discussion. Right? Let's move on. This is what God said. I heard him say it. That was his voice. He spoke it to us. We acknowledge it. This is what he said. I'm correcting you. And now we can move on to talk about something else. End of discussion. But he doesn't allow that to happen. Because she's caught up in the fact, and, and we do this, we feel like we have to prove to people what God has said. Y'all, we don't have anything to prove. We don't have anything to prove. It is not our job to defend and prove God's word to, to anyone. And you, you might be in a conversation or a situation where it gets to that point where you have to prove it, right? And they just keep coming back at you and coming back at you and coming back at you. That's when you say, you know what? This is what God said. This is what I know. Either we change the subject or I'm going to go, right? And that's it. Because it's not our job to have to prove it. This is where it gets really good. Verse 4. Listen to these words. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open. It sounds like he's putting words in God's mouth again. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here it is. Four verses into chapter 3. Four verses into Satan making his appearance in this story where he makes a bold-faced lie. I mean, just crazy. You will not certainly die. Wow. The audacity and the irony here that Satan is calling God a liar, which he does all the time as well, by the way. He's calling God a liar by contradicting what God has said here. The title of today's sermon is Liar's Lie. Lie. <laughs> I know that's right. Mm -hmm. I know some people. Liar's Lie. And no one is a better liar than Satan. And all he does is lie. That's all he does. He doesn't speak truth. He does not speak truth. He lies. And on the other side of the coin is Jesus, who never lies, who only tells the truth, who is truth. And yet there are so many times that we focus on the lie and not the truth. We believe the lie and not the truth. This um, past Monday, 
we had we had the day off. It was Martin Luther King Day, and we were home, and it was it was a good day by all accounts. At our house, it was a good day. Nothing like major. I don't think we like went anywhere. We just kind of hung out and um, all those things. And I knew for me it was going to be a short week, so I was just reading through Genesis three, just kind of get a refresher and and see what was what was going to happen today in this moment. And you know, I'm reading through the beginning of it. And that's what jumped out at me. It was like the Lord just said, the only, the only real notes I took in, for preparation for today was liars lie. It was like, that's, that was what God told me in that moment. Liars lie. And as the day went on, for whatever reason, can't tell you why. Again, it was a good day. Nothing bad happened. But I, would just, I just felt like I was getting attacked. I was believing all these lies that the enemy was trying to tell me in this moment. And... Just, just rough, you know, and it was, it was, I was just kind of handling it internally, and then after the girls went to bed, and, and Jesse and I could actually have a conversation, um, I told her, I was like, look, it's been a rough day. She's like, really? It's like, yeah, just hearing all these voices, and feeling like a failure, and blah, 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 and, but the thing that got me through that day was the few verses that I read in preparation for today, that liars lie, liars lie. And as I, as I felt just this discouragement and, and whatever else was going on, I, I hung on to that, that little nugget of truth that God gave me on Monday, that liars lie. And it, it didn't necessarily shut the enemy up, right? It, it, the, the, the voices kept coming, but I was able to just hold on to this little, this little iota of truth, that liars lie. And it sustained me through the day. It was a hard day. But, I, but because of that, I didn't give in to what I was hearing. I held on to the fact that what I was hearing was, in fact, a lie. And when we, when we hear these voices, we need to understand that. You know, we, we read verse 4 that says, you will certainly not die. And we're like, how could the devil say that? I can't believe he would say that. How dare he lie and contradict God? Listen, y'all, we need to be like, of course he says that. Of course that's what he's going to say to us, because liars lie. And if everything that God says about us and to us is truth, then the only thing that the enemy is going to say over us is a lie. He is not for you. He is not for you. John 10 says he comes to kill, to steal, and destroy you and me. He wants to steal from James. He wants to kill James, and he wants to destroy James. And you can put your word in that blank as well, because that's what he's after. That's the evil that he is, and he will do it by lying to you every single day. So let's not be taken aback by his tactics. Let's recognize them. Of course he's going to say that, because he hates you. He does. He hates you. And the second that he's done lying to you, he couldn't... He, oof. I got to be careful. I like my job. I can't cuss this morning. But I caught myself. I don't know what y'all are cheering for. It's that you just realized that your pastor cusses from time to time or that I stopped myself from doing it. Got the president of the board on the second row over here not really laughing at the moment. Now what we're talking about at our next meeting. <sighs> Is it hot in here? Yeah. Vic, do you mind turning the air down a little bit? 
I don't know where I am in my notes. <laughs> don't cuss at this part. Got it. Okay, we're back. Listen, truth leads to life. Lying leads to death. It's really that simple. It really is that simple. Truth leads to life. Lying leads to death. It's not complicated. But again, the enemy in the world has made it super complicated. And there's a reason that there is a war on truth. Because when it becomes convoluted and confusing and weird, then we go down the path of destruction and death. There's truth with life, and there's death and lies. Let's jump really quickly to John chapter 10, starting in verse 22. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So Jesus is doing miracle after miracle after miracle. He's preaching these amazing sermons. He's reaching people. And these people come and say, hey, can you just tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? And I love his response. He said, I did tell you. You didn't believe me. Y'all, this word right here is full of Jesus telling us, you and me and everybody in here, everybody watching online, what he thinks about us, how he feels about us, how he loves us, how he died for us, how he came here for us. And there's times when we don't believe it. He's saying, I did tell you. I'm telling you now. Are you going to believe me? Be my sheep, know my voice, and then follow me. Don't just hear it on Sunday mornings and go, that was a good sermon, James, thank you very much, and then I'm going to go out and I'm going to forget everything, and I'm not going to believe what you say. I'm going to live in death and the lies that the enemy says over me. He says, no, 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 hear my voice and then follow me, because as you follow me, I will give you eternal life. I will give you truth but you have to know his voice and then you have to follow it. If we're being honest with ourselves, y'all, we believe the lies. We believe the lies way too much. Lies that say, you're a loser. You're a failure. You don't have what it takes. You're always going to be alone. You're going to die. You're not lovable. The list goes on and on. You don't have talent. You're never going to have what they have. And we sit there and we just believe it. Jesus is saying, I told you. I told you. Believe it. I don't lie. 
And as we open his word and we start to read what he says about us, that's when the truth comes in. You're believing you're alone? I say I'll never leave you. You say you're ugly? I say you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You say you're a failure? I say you're more than a conqueror. You say you're a loser? I say you're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. I call you my son and my daughter, and I died for you, and I don't die for something that is not valuable. That's the truth. But will we believe it? And then will we follow it? I told you. I'm telling you now. That's why I gave you this gift of my word so you could go to it when, when, you don't, when you don't believe it. You can read it and you can remember that I tell the truth. Will you believe it? Listen, if Eve was smart, she would have heard what Satan was saying. She would have been like, man, you're crazy. Like, you're tripping. I'm out of here. Like, I'm out of here. Because you are contradicting what God has said over me. And listen, y'all, when people contradict what God says about us, it's not for us. It's not for us. And I, I really, I want to say this this morning. I think there's a few of us in here that might need to create distance between yourself and some people in your lives that are contradicting what God says about you. And that's not to say that you sever ties forever and you're just, you just ghost them and you're gone. But you love from a distance and pray for them, but communicate to them and tell them why. Because if we just disappear, like, that's, what are you talking about? But if you go to whomever it might be in your life and say, look, you are contradicting what God says about me. And that's not good for me. And so either you need to stop and maybe even come to church with me and see what this is all about, or I got to create some space. And if they react negatively to that, that's their business. But I know that there are some of us in here this morning and some that are watching online that need to create some distance with some people in your life that are contradicting what God says about you. I say, well, that person's really close to me. That person's related to me. That's fine. You can still love them with some distance in between. But be clear as to why. Let them know why. Who knows? It might be the very thing that leads them to Jesus and answers the prayer that you've been praying over them for so long. You will not certainly die, the enemy says. Listen, if he can be that bold in the Garden of Eden... He can be that bold in your bedroom or in your home or in your car or wherever it might be. Man, he's bold when he lies. Totally unashamed. It's incredible. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Listen, y'all. Things that are pleasing to the eye are not necessarily pleasing to the soul. Just because they look good does not mean that they are good for you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23 say, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great 
is that darkness. So I have a question for you. What are you looking at? You're looking at another woman, another man. You're looking at pornography or drugs or alcohol. You're looking at the other person's house or job or car or marriage or all those things. Y'all, those are just apples hanging from a tree that look really good. And Satan's saying, try it, try it, try it. It's good. You'll love it. It's not bad for you. Forget about what they say. That's not true. Let me just keep putting words in God's mouth. Let me make him the bad guy. That's going to be really good for you. And that first taste might be okay. But guess what? You're going to end up ashamed and hiding from God. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it is good. It's a shiny apple where God says, don't eat it. It's not for you. It's only going to bring death. Stop the conversation right there. You know what I love about, uh, this is in our notes, but the story of Joseph, when he's tempted, if you don't know it, he, he's, he's a slave in this house in Egypt. He has, he has full control as the slave in the house. And, and the master's always gone. And, and the master's wife is just hitting on Joseph like her day, right? And when it, on the last day, when she's finally like, I got to have me some Joseph, uh, he, he's, he doesn't sit there and rationalize and say, you know what, let's have a theological discussion about this, right? You're just an apple hanging from a tree or anything like that. He doesn't do any of that. He says, I'm out. And he runs away. He runs away. Because he's not going to flirt with sin in that moment. He's not going to try and prove anything to sin in that moment. He sees what it is, and he's out of there. We can learn something from Joseph in that moment. Strength is not how long you can hang out with sin without committing that sin. Strength is getting out of the room. I don't know what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I didn't pause for dramatic effect. I was like, where am I in my notes? I don't know what's going on here. I went off script again for like the 50th time this morning. You know what's crazy about, about this moment? They have this, Eve has this conversation with Satan. And then she finally takes the apple and she takes a bite. Boom, over for her. Adam takes the apple, he takes a bite. Boom, over for him. They're tempted, they commit the sin, they're immediately ashamed because they clothe themselves. They re- I said the Bible says their eyes are open and they realize now that they're naked. You know how the end of Genesis 2, y'all remember from last week how it ends? It says that they were walking in the garden naked and they felt no what? Shame. They felt no shame because they were living in right standing with God. No sin. Genesis 3, turn the page, they sin and they immediately notice they're naked and they feel Shame. Truth leads to life. Lies lead to death. And what I think is so telling of who Satan is, is we don't hear from him anymore. He's gone. God comes in. We'll we'll talk about this next week. But God comes in and he has a talking to with Satan. But Satan doesn't talk back. And and I want to read this story that illustrates, I believe, Satan so well in our lives as we continue to listen to him and believe the lies, what the reaction is like. And it's out of Matthew 27. And Jesus has been arrested. And one of his disciples, whose name is Judas, has betrayed him. 
And this is a deep betrayal because Jesus loved Judas. He was a disciple of his. And so here's the moment where Judas's eyes are open to what he has done, betraying the Son of God. Matthew 27, starting in verse 1. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, betrayed him saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us? They replied. That's your responsibility. That is the voice of Satan in our lives after we had, have committed the sin that he has been tempting us to do. I don't care. That's your responsibility. He's out. He got Adam and Eve to take a bite of the apple and then boom, I'm done. My work here is done. You know why? Because he doesn't care about you. He wants to kill you. And as soon as you take that bite, he's nowhere to be seen. And the problem, the biggest, the biggest problem that Judas had in this moment where he realizes he's betrayed Jesus and he has all this remorse is he goes to them. He tries to undo what he's done by giving the silver back and trying to undo it to the chief priests. He goes to the wrong people. What he should have done is gone to Jesus. He said, Jesus, I messed up. I am so sorry. Will you forgive me? And the Savior that I know would have said, of course I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you right now. But instead, Judas goes to the enemy, tries to undo it, and ends up hanging himself because he didn't realize he could go to Jesus and say he was sorry and Jesus would have forgiven him. And as we're sitting here this morning and we're talking about this and about eating apples and what is apples in our life and what does that look like? Many of us in here say, I've, I've eaten that apple. And we're, try, we're, we're using all of our energy to try and undo it. When instead, we need to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And in that moment, he will forgive us. And what will he do? He will give us life again. He will give us life again. You know why I know that? Because he says it. And he only tells truth. He is for you. Where the enemy wants to steal, steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus came to give us life. And life to the full. Life to the full. But we can't experience that life if we just keep walking around in lies all the time, believing what the enemy says over us. We opened 2023 this year a few weeks ago with that prayer walk. You remember if you were here. And before we went outside, I challenged all of us to speak the word of God over everything in your life. We're going to speak the word of God. When we feel doubt, when we feel fears, when we feel insecurities and all those things, we're going to speak the word of God because that's truth. Like Ben was talking about earlier in worship, we have this fear. You know what fear comes from? It comes from believing in lies. But if we go to the word and, and read what it says over us, then we are put back on that track. But I want to ask you all, as we nodded in agreement and amen, yes, let's go walk this walk. It's going to be awesome. Three or weeks ago or whatever it was, how are we doing with that? How are we doing three weeks in? Are we walking in lies or are we standing on the truth 
of God that does not move, that is not shaken, that is not fearful over anything. Y'all, we, we got to do it. We got to do it. And we do that, we do that, y'all, by getting in the Word. Romans 10, 17, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. We got to get in it. We got to know what it says. And we also have this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit inside of us. The great discerner of truth. That when we are in a moment and we don't know what to do, we were just talking about this earlier this week with the staff. When we don't know what to do, you know what we, we, our response is? We ask God, what would you have us do in this moment? What do you want me to do right now, God? You are truth and I want to follow you. So Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. That's how we as sheep follow the voice. We ask, what would you have us do right now, Lord? And he will tell us. But we got to get in the word. Listen, faith doesn't increase. Faith doesn't grow by listening, by hearing Fox News, by hearing CNN, by hearing a self-help book or talking to your friend about it or listening to your feelings. <laughs> Lord Jesus, help me. Because our feelings can lie to us just as much as the enemy can. Faith comes by hearing the word. The word of God. And I implore all of us, myself included, to get in it. Uh, listen, I, I read books, you know, Jesus books and all, and they're great. But nothing compares to the word of God. And if we put those types of things before the word... We have it backwards, and we will, I'm telling you, there, you'll still get led astray. We have to put the word of God first. You've got to get it inside you so you know the truth, because the enemy's not going to stop. If they, I'm pretty confident if Eve had shut it down, and they hadn't eaten that apple on that day, he probably would have come knocking the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, and the day after that. He is a relentless enemy, but we know the truth. We know it. I want to have the band come back up. And I want to read this to you all as they do. It's, it's a devotional that I read from Max Licato this week. And it says this. Satan appears in the garden at the beginning. He is cast into the fire in the end. He tempted David. He bewildered Saul and waged an attack on Job. Serious students of Scripture must be serious about Satan. Jesus was. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. He squared off against Satan in the wilderness. Jesus saw Satan not as a mythological image, not an invention of allegory. Listen to this, y'all. He saw the devil as a superhuman narcissist. I love that. I was like, oh. Yeah, right. When Jesus taught us to pray, he did not say, deliver us from nebulous negative emotions. <laughs> he said, deliver us from the evil one. We play into the devil's hand when we pretend he does not exist. The devil is a real devil. But, and this is huge, the devil 
is a defeated devil. He is real. Next week, we're going to talk about God being a just God as we continue on in chapter 3. But today, it's about breaking the chains of lies that have been wrapped around some of us in here, some of us watching online, really tightly. Like you've just been living this existence of lies. Lies we talked about earlier, that you're always going to be alone, that you don't have what it takes, that you're a loser or a failure, and you've eaten the apple and that's it, and you've written everything else off. Those are lies, y'all. Those are lies. And I get so angry at the enemy when he tries to make God the bad guy and has God's people living in that world. I hate it. I hate it. And I hate him. And this morning, I'm believing for chains to be broken. And whatever you are walking through right now, you feel like you're going to, there, there's, there's some sickness or disease over you, you feel like you're going to die. Jesus says, I heal. You feel, you, you feel like your kids are never going to come back to the Lord. No way. You feel like your marriage is at, that's it, it's done. We're going to believe for reconciliation. Believe that you just, you're just ready to quit. Ready to quit and give up pray for you this morning. Jesus came and he proved, Satan proves his hatred over us by lying to us and then disappearing. Jesus proved his love for us by dying and being with us always. And he is with us always. Maybe you've eaten from the tree. Jesus is saying, I don't condemn you. I want to forgive you. I love you and I'm here for you man I want to I want to see freedom in this place this morning I want to see freedom as we walk out the door enough of letting the enemy lie to you you are loved by the most high God Jesus died for you he took on your sin. He took all the responsibility of you having to make a way to get to heaven. He said, I got you. He loves you. He loves you. And, and don't let feeling like he doesn't make truth change for you. Because he does. He does. He does. So we're going to stand up and we're going to worship now. We're going to have a time at the altar for you to come and get prayed for. We'll have Don and Joanne come up, Valerie and Kyle, Hannah, and we rushed it along. Come on, rush it. Sal and Carmel, y'all want to come up. Jesse and I will be up here too. Look, if you need prayer for anything this morning, we want to stand in agreement and speak the truth of God over your life. And especially you have not received Jesus as your Savior, this is your moment. He is waiting with open arms for you to come and receive the gift of eternal life with Him. Remember, truth gives life. Lies bring death. 
Let's choose truth this morning. Amen? Amen. If that's you this morning, come get prayer.